Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On today's episode, I sit down with Chuck Toki and discuss what makes someone in sales successful. From leadership to the sales manager and the sales representative, Chuck will give us the key qualities and traits they possess and what they can do to elevate their game. We'll also dive into who makes a good sales manager, who to hire, and how to train them. Well, I'm excited to get this show started, so let's go. Hey, Chuck, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, glad to have you. Um, before we get started, I'd love to ask our guests, how'd you get started in the home improvement industry? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny because I was an aerospace engineer. And so when you're thinking of uh, uh, home improvement, obviously you think of aerospace engineering, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Natural correlation there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, 9-11 happened, you know, short story, you know, 9-11 happened, got thrown out of uh, uh, aerospace. Nobody's buying jets and so nobody needs them design, that's for sure. And so uh, got into sales and found out I was pretty good in sales. Got into the uh, insurance sales. I was very good at it. It was just the most boring thing I've ever done. And so uh, found my way out of that as fast as I could and got into mortgage. And uh, anybody that was in mortgage in that uh, day and age, I mean, I could I could uh, finance your doghouse if you wanted me to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know that was fun until that bubble burst, and then got put into uh, home improvement through Bathfitter. Okay. And um, it was um, Bathfitter was not all that big at that time. And so when, um, when I got brought into to Bathfitter, I was the youngest person in the company. And at that point, I'm being brought in as the uh, VP of sales and marketing. And so that was, that was a, uh, that's a story in itself um, when everybody there is older than you and you're the one there that's supposed to run things. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was a rocky start. And as you can see with, with Bathfitter today, uh, it ended well. Wow. Yeah. No, I, uh, I imagine there's some really good lessons learned there and uh, experiences that have helped you along the way. We we could probably do a whole nother episode on, on just the experiences in that environment. Um, but anyways, uh, that's, it's really interesting. I love, I love to find out how people got started in the industry. You know, it generally isn't something that you aspire to join, um, but it kind of find it, it kind, it kind of finds you and then you leave your mark on the industry. So I always think it's interesting to, you know, hear how people got their start. It's, it's very sticky. You know, once you're in it, people really tend to, to like being in the industry. Yeah. Well, cool. So uh, what are you doing today? So what I'm doing now is uh, besides having my, uh, my own sales team, uh, I don't own the company. I'm the VP of sales for a company called American Weather Techs. And so we have two large locations, one in Cincinnati and one in, one in Columbus. But outside of that, I still do a lot of coaching, a lot of speaking, um, there's a lot of mentorships, and then uh, I do a an event called Top Rep, 
So, and it, uh, it's really exploded. It's really uh, different than a lot of other events. It quite simply, you bring your sales reps in and they compete. That's cool. Yeah, I've, uh, I've seen a lot about it and it's created a lot of buzz. So I really look forward to, to following along. Uh, you know, it's funny, I, I thought I was a busy person, but I see you everywhere <laughs> participating and leading so many different events and trainings. What is it about this industry that you feel so compelled to give back and why are you so passionate about it? Here's what I love about this industry and the home improvement industry as a whole. You know, it, years, years ago when I was at Able Roof, I got a phone call to come back to Learjet. I said, hey, everything is going great. Uh, we want you back. And my response back to them was, have you guys checked out this whole home improvement thing? I mean, it really, the, the opportunity that it gives people of all works of life, walks of life, it, whether you are, I mean, I've had sales reps that were master degrees, uh, have not had a doctorate yet, but I've had a few that had master degrees, uh, masters. I mean, it, it, um, you know, I've had opera singers. I've had, I mean, I, I've had just, if you can name it, we've had it. And these people, some of them have never even graduated high school, um, you know, and it was, it's just amazing what you can do based on your ability, based on what it is you're willing to sacrifice, how hard you're willing to work, what it is you're willing to take on yourself, that will determine your success inside this industry. It's not where, you know, what school did you go to and how far did you go? Nobody cares about that. You know, when you walk into someone's house, you know, it's always nice if, uh, you know, if you went to Duke and they have a big Duke flag, you have some commonality, but it doesn't mean that the guy that didn't even graduate high school, you know, can't go in there and talk about how Duke is one of his favorite uh, teams and still get the sale and make the exact same amount as the guy that graduated from Duke with honors or, you know, magnum cum laude or whatever, you know, so yeah. that's what I love about this industry. It is truly, it's you know, it's showing the world who you are, not what it is that you've done in the past. You know, who are you and how how good are you? You know, that's why we like the whole top rep thing is the fact that, you know, you're going to come and you're going to compete. It's no different than being in the house. So that's and, and to, to look at this industry and to love it as much as I do uh, and to give back as much as I like to give back, um, you know, a lot of these companies where they have sales managers, uh, if there is a way that I can jump in there and coach quickly uh, without them even being a client, I'll do it. I just, I'd love to see companies that turn around when they find out that there's, they're just one technique or one hire or one, you know, right. uh, one fire away from being a success. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'd love to dive into this just a little bit more. And uh, in your experience, what are some of the keys to, to being successful? Um, as a business or a sales manager or sales rep? Um, you know, I'd love to hear about all of them uh, because I think there are folks that are listening today in each of those uh, roles. And I think they ask the same thing. You know, what do I need to do to be successful in this position? So I'll tell you, when it comes to the business, um, and I don't know this author at all. I've never met him, but the, the book Rocket Fuel, um, if you own a business, you have to buy the book. Uh, you are either a visionary or you are an integrator. And, and you have to figure out if, if, you know, if you're an integrator and you own a business, then you need to go out and find a visionary to help grow that business. Because a, a, a business that is run by an integrator 
tends to chase its tail a lot. Sure. Uh, they, they tend to, um, you know, if, it, if it's owned by a workhorse, you know, a lot of times it's, they, they don't really know where they're going. All they know is what's happening two feet in front of their face, right. which is their computer and they're in reactionary mode. Um, so that's, you know, that's one piece of being successful as a business owner is to determine who you are. Um, and so some of the best business owners I know aren't the best implementers, you know, but they know they, they can, it's like, they can see the future. They can see, this is what we need to do. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to take it. Yep. Uh, rather than I, I'm just going to do the same thing that the company I just came from did, you know, so that's where the, the, some of the best companies in the industry come from are when the, the visionary thinks of something different, you know, thinks of something outside the box. Uh, then when you're looking at a sales manager, what makes a successful sales manager is the fact that he cares and that he's willing to work for the, the, the people that he's in charge of. Yep. You know, he has a servant heart. He has to. And, you know, sometimes that servant heart takes him to a point where he needs to let somebody go be successful someplace else. Um, what I've typically found is if they don't work in my organization, they make some phenomenal insurance agents. I don't know what it is about it, but, uh, and I've gotten to the point where I've said, Hey, you might want to try insurance. And they always seem to work out really well there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, you have to understand who's on your team. Um, and that sales manager should be judged by the lowest person on his team. You know, and, and doing that, that sales manager may take a second look at keeping that person that, you know, they're really nice and they're really, you know, a great person, but ultimately they'd be success, more successful doing something else. They just don't like change. So they're not going to quit. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, you know, at looking or judging the caliber of a sales manager by their weakest performing sales rep. I think that that's really interesting. Um, I want to talk more about sales managers, but uh, before we do that, as a sales rep, what is the key uh, for them to be successful? So for a sales rep, it's quite simply the accountability and not losing technique, understanding that uh, they can't lose technique in the house. And the only way they can do that is through training. If their sales manager is not willing to train them, then they need to go get the training someplace else. Not that they need to go to another company, but they need to go invest in themselves. If the company is not willing to invest in them, they need to go invest in themselves. And yeah. so I'm not saying, hey, come to me, spend a bunch of money. What I'm saying, I mean, like YouTube, YouTube is a, just a phenomenal source of information, but you do have to be careful what information you decide that you're going to put inside your repertoire. So, but that sales rep needs to know where am I falling short? What do I need? And that's, he needs it or she needs a sales manager that can tell them that. Uh, all sales reps are one technique away from being a superstar. They just got to figure out what that one technique is. And sometimes it's hard to find. Yeah, no, I agree. That's interesting. Um, I'd love to get your take uh, too on, you know, do you personally look for or hire sales reps? that have experience in home improvement sales, or do you like somebody that has no experience, doesn't know anything about what it takes to replace a bath or install a roof? My favorite sales reps are people that have never sold it before. Yeah. Uh, or uh, maybe they, uh, they've they sold home improvement, but just in a different area. So if I'm in a roofing company, the last 
you know, rep that I'm looking for is another roofing rep so that I can get him in and hear all about what, what I should be doing with him. You know, <laughs> that's not what I'm looking for, you know, but if he's a, a really good bath rep and he wants to try roofing, I'd love to, you know, cause he's going to, I'm going to learn some from him and he's going to learn some from me, but ultimately he's going to be a great uh, roofing rep uh, or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I've had this problem in the past where, you know, I equated it to my, to my days of wrestling in high school. Uh, you know, er early on in my career, I could win a lot of matches just from outpowering people. And then later as I moved on uh, into like, uh, into high school and my senior years and stuff, I would just get destroyed. (laughs) And the problem was, you know, I didn't focus on the technique of, you know, the skills that it took to actually win at wrestling. I relied way too much on, on just on my muscle, my strength. And I think sales reps can sometimes do the same thing where they rely on their experience of, you know, maybe they know how to install a roof or they know the components, they know the products and they, they don't focus on the technique or the, the actual skill. And so for me, it was, uh, you know, it was a hard awakening in high school realizing, uh, you know, I don't have what it takes and, you know, I might have, uh, I probably would have if I would have taken the time to actually work on my technique, but I had relied so much on just the pure muscle that, you know, it, it only takes you so far and eventually you really have to have the skill to be successful. So I feel like I can equate that a lot to sales and, uh, you know, the folks that, uh, maybe have a similar experience where they're, they know a lot about what they're selling maybe, and, uh, just don't take the time to get good at the technique. And I'm, I love the fact that you just brought this up because some of your best sales reps, uh, whether it's in commercial residential, maybe even in uh, corporate are, are wrestling, you know, wrestlers. And I don't care if they're good or bad wrestlers. The fact that they understand that they're on the mat and it's just them, you know, they have a, a, they have someone screaming and yelling in their ear, but their success and they understand that their success is all based on the, the, what happens in the moment that they choose to, to have happen. You know, I know that I'm being told to, to, uh, you know, grab the hand or whatever. And I was in wrestling as well. And, and so I understood that, I could either choose to listen to my coach or my parents that were screaming in the, uh, the audience or the other 20 people that thought they could wrestle better than me or whatever, but, or I could just figure out like, okay, he's going to move this way. So I'm going to move that way. But it was, it was me, you know, it was a decision that I made. And it's the same thing when, with any sales rep that the decision that you make, the, how how you're going to go about your appointment is all based on you. And you have to make that decision. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're the one that has to be standing on that podium. So you get to decide, are you going to be one, two or three? So, you know, I love the fact that how you brought up, you know, wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's that's funny. Uh, But and I can see the parallels. Um, So anyways, I wanted to go back to we had talked a little bit about being a good sales manager and what that looks like. Uh, But I'd love to get your take on, you know, who makes a good sales manager? So. When you're looking at sales managers, um, I've worked with with hundreds and hundreds of sales managers across the country over the last five years. And one thing that I've noticed out of these sales managers is your top sales sales managers understand that they're in it for their people. Um, they are there to make sure that um, you know they they have a passion to help. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to take your top rep, which a lot of times is not the best thing to do, but just taking your top rep, thinking that they're going to clone themselves, 
uh, by saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to train all these people to be me. You're never, it's never going to work out. Now I've taken a lot of top reps. I was a top rep, uh, here recently. I took a top rep from, uh, uh, local roofing out of Minnesota did the same thing with him. He's going to be phenomenal. But when I take somebody that is a top rep, what I need to understand is that they're doing it for all the right reasons and not the wrong. You know, when you're looking at, you know, the right reasons, let's look at the, the wrong reasons. Here are some of the issues is, you know, the, the sales leader, they're doing it for the wrong reasons, which means, you know, they want to get off the ladder. You know, they want to set schedule. They want to be able to put their feet up. They want to be able to sit in the office all day long. You know, it's, it's, that's some of the issues that you're going to see. Um, you know, maybe the, the sales manager is quite simply, he's a know-it-all. He can't be coached. The, uh, he's un, undisciplined and unaccountable. You know, if, uh, if he's not going to hold his people accountable, you know, he, you know, if he's not accountable or if he's not disciplined, he's not going to do, uh, that to his people. So therefore, everybody is going to be able to do their own thing, move their own direction, which does not work. Um, you know, they're unable to en engage their team. You know, so, so those are the things you need to watch out for when you're looking at, you know, am I picking up on the, the right guy? You know, you're the guys that uh, or gals. I've had many gals um, that understand sales management. They know their numbers. They know their numbers. If you ask them, hey, where are we at? What's, what's our slug today? You know, they're going to pop it right off. We're right now, we're at 4,200. You know, that's exactly what they need to know, whether it's for, for this week, this month, whatever. They know exactly where their slug is or their NSLI, as some people would call it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> they understand how to forecast. So, not only do they not, not only do they know their numbers, but they know the numbers for the next couple of months. And it's not just taking the overall number, dividing it by 12, and then there's their number for the month. They have to know their bell curve and how that gets put into each month so that they can tell uh, marketing exactly how many leads they need so that they can hit their numbers. Uh, they know how to manage the activity, not the results. If you have a sales manager that's only focused on the results, that is a sales manager that will never hit their numbers. They have to manage the activity. If you're looking at uh, uh, how many sales did we get, that's not gonna that's not gonna uh, get you to to, uh, to hit your goal. But if you're looking at how many doors do they need to knock, if your people knock doors, uh, how many leads they need to run, uh, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna to ride with these reps, you know. So you know. That's that's where the results come from. How to do a proper ride along? You know, do they know how to do this? Are they do they understand how to give an engaging sales meeting? I have been in more just do nothing sales meetings when I go out and visit these companies, and it's, you can tell that they're desperate to understand how to give a proper sales meeting because a sales meeting should be very uplifting, motivational. It should really rally the troops so that uh, they go into the week or the rest of the week ready to run through brick walls. Uh, ultimately, they, they need to be disciplined and, and accountable. Uh, again, if they can be disciplined and accountable, they can hold their, their people that way. And then do they understand how to train and onboard? Yeah. Chuck, a lot of this sounds like things that can be taught, but are there things in here that 
that you feel can't be taught? Like, are there specific character traits that you do or don't want that person to have? So, and, and uh, I was just talking to an owner right before this, and we were discussing this. And I says, because he was like, do you, do you have mannerisms or do you have a, a list of things I need to look for? And, I'm so, and I told him, I says, here's the issue is the sales manager you're looking for may be different than the guy down the street. You have to find a sales manager that fits the culture of the company. Now, the culture, the, you have to look at the culture you want, not always the culture that you have. I've been in many companies where the culture in the company is uh, the salesmen just kind of run the roost. Uh, they don't have a sales leader. They do their own thing and uh, they produce their own results, which is never going to take you very far. And so, you know, you have to look at the culture you want and the culture you want may be different than the culture that someone else wants. But ultimately, you have to have a sales manager that understands that he is held accountable to his his uh, sales reps as much as he is to the uh, owners or his manager. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that you said that. Um, I know a home improvement company that uh, you know, two to 300 sales reps or so, and the key thing, or one of the key things that they look for is that the sales rep was a former high school or collegiate athlete. And there's just something about an athlete that they really appreciate. Is there anything to that? Well, just like I'd mentioned to you, the whole wrestling thing, um, that is huge. I mean, that, uh, and I will say the athlete, it's always nice. Um, it doesn't really mean that that person's going to be, you know, that you're a guy or gal, uh, but it does typically lead to a better sales manager, um, you know, when you look at statistics. But um, do I look at someone that was a collegiate athlete? No, not not really, because uh, I don't want to leave anybody out. That's just yeah. like saying, hey, you need to have a college degree to come work here, or you need a college degree to come. And, and uh, that's why most corporate companies are failing. It's because they're so focused on someone's education than they are the ability. Yeah, you know, I've always said, like, give me someone that's willing to learn, that wants to learn, that's hungry. Like, that's the person I want on my team. You know, somebody that has a drive and a desire and wants to show up and learn. Um, yeah, you know, I agree 100%. Um, as, far as, as far as training these sales managers, I mean, what's the best way to do that? What, what's the approach that you take? How do you bring somebody in to that sales management capacity, uh, you know, the right way? So bringing somebody, I, and, and I, I know that some people may disagree with me, but the best way to bring a sales manager on is from outside of the company. You know, they not, they're not everybody's best friend yet. You know, if you bring him in from the inside of the company, then he's already got his buddies and, you know, all of a sudden everybody thinks that his boys are going to get, uh, you know, preferential treatment. So it's usually better to bring somebody in from outside the company. And when you do that, that sales manager has to earn the respect of everybody in the company or at least his team. And it's not done by coming in as a bull in a china shop. He needs to come in almost silent. He's going to come in. He's going to talk to everybody. But ultimately, for the first, you know, six weeks to sometimes uh, three months, you know, you're looking at, hey, I'm just here. I'm going to look over your shoulder. I'm learning right now. After that three months, it's time to turn the key on. And so when you're bringing this person in, they need to ride with the reps. They need to, uh, if he's going to hold a sales meeting, he is not the one to go out there and start telling everybody, preaching to them about what they should do. You know, find some of your better guys, exploit that inside of the sales meeting and have them teach it. 
Because as you're, as you're having some of your top guys teach inside of your sales meetings, that not only are you getting the respect of that top guy, but also you're getting the people in the, the organization to actually listen because they're not ready to listen to you yet, but they are willing to listen to the guy that does it well. And so as you continue to learn, uh, you're going to, you need to master the uh, sales process uh, that that co uh, company has or is putting into place. He has to know, or she has to know that sales process better than anybody else in the company. You know, so over that three months, I mean, he or she really needs to put in the work to learn and get the respect of everybody else. But they cannot be sitting there teaching everybody how to do certain things uh, that that usually doesn't go over well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have to ask you, you know, one of the things that I saw that I think you had touched on at top rep was a closing roadmap. Can you give me like at a high level, what is a closing roadmap? So a closing roadmap, here's the biggest issue with sales reps is that they lose technique in the house. They may be equipped with, I need to think about it. I need uh, three estimates. I need to talk to my, um, my dad, my uncle, my neighbor, uh, or my son and daughter, which is totally different. Um, you know, they may be equipped to do that, but what they don't understand is once they get done with, maybe I need to think about it. And then you get all the way through, you're ready to do it and say, well, hold on a second. You know, I really need to talk to my dad. And then they're like, oh, what do I do now? And the closing roadmap truly teaches closers how to continue that conversation. And it's quite simply, no matter what comes up, it gives you something to talk about as long as the, the homeowner is willing to engage. I mean, when people say, oh, that, with a closing roadmap, you can close anybody. You know, I'm not that arrogant. You know, I'm going to tell you that some people just won't engage. They're done and they won't talk to you anymore. Uh, but most of the time, if they're willing to engage and at least telling you that, hey, you know, you've done a great job, which is not what we ever want to hear in the house. But, hey, you've done a great job. You know, we really need a, a night to think about it. Or, uh, hey, you know what? I need to talk to my uh, I really need to talk to my dad about this before I make my move. And say, hey, yeah, no problem. You know what? Let's let's go ahead. Let's get him on the phone. I know that he's got some questions for me. So let's go ahead and get him on the phone right now. You know, they're like, oh, well, no, you're not going to be able to get him on the phone. He's at work. He can't be bothered. OK, well, let me ask you. I mean, how do you personally feel about spending ten thousand two hundred twenty three dollars? You know, like, wow, that's a lot of money. So we just kicked that out of the way and we're back to money. So yeah. it teaches you how to take any uh, stall an excuse. I don't call them objections until we get to the money, but we'll take any stall an excuse and take it down to money. Once we get it to money, then we can start to deal with that objection. I like that. That's interesting. Yeah. It, it caught my eye when I saw it, you know, closing roadmap. <laughs> and uh, I said, all right, you know, I want, I wanted to learn more about that. Uh, it's really good. Uh, but I'd love to know, uh, you know, what resources have helped you along the way? Are, are you learning this stuff, you know, through trial and error? Or how did you get to where you are today uh, from where you started? It's all through uh, mentors, teachers, trainers. Um, I, so I have a, a severe learning disability I had ever since I was in junior high. And so I write everything down. Uh, if I don't, I'm going to forget it. And so I have notebooks. I have uh, files full of stuff. And I continue to... Uh, continue to work on my craft so that when my guys get to go out and see me sell or I'm out with them and, and I help them close a deal, um, they'll always ask, well, how did you learn that? It's like, man, I learned that years and years ago. And I haven't pulled that one out since I haven't pulled that one out for five years now, you know, but again, it's all through uh, mentors and trainers. 
it doesn't mean that it's somebody you have to pay to train. I mean, me being a coach, it doesn't make sense for me to say that. But, um, you know, some of my uh, best mentors are other top reps, you know, going out with them. Um, I had a, uh, uh, the opportunity to place a, one of the uh, top closers in the country just over the weekend and uh, with another company. And what he said was, um, he says, Chuck, you taught me how to sell, but it was another guy uh, that you put me with during a ride along that taught me how to have balls. And so when I'm putting somebody with another rep, I put them with another rep to ride with them. And I explain to them what I want them to understand. You know, I'm not going to just say, hey, I want you to ride with this guy. You let me know how it goes. No, I want you to ride with this guy. And here's what I, I want you to, to pull out of this. You know, if I'm going to have them ride with the, this certain rep, you know, it was to the point where he was a little timid in the house. So I'm going to put him with a guy that's a little bit more savage in the house. And, and I know some people don't like me saying that, but he's a little bit more savage in the house. But I wanted him to see that, that it's okay to get a little real with the homeowner if you have to, because you only have 45 minutes to get their attention. And so, you know, he realized, and it, it wasn't until that point that, you know, he, he became that top rep. I mean, he doubles and triples everybody's numbers today just because of the people I put him with and helped him to understand, this is what I want you to learn from this person. You know, so yeah. that him doing that, that was another mentor to him. Uh, not only myself, but the guys that I had him ride with yeah. for the purpose I had him ride with them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, as we, uh, we're getting close here to wrapping this up, but where do you most often see others in the industry make a mistake and, and how can they avoid it? Uh, and specifically speaking, like to the sales function of a business. The biggest mistake that I see is that they don't have a sales system at all. Uh, they are literally just wandering through business. Uh, some of them have been fairly successful, but ultimately they're, they're just kind of wandering through. And what happens, once you get over maybe 10, you might get lucky to hit 20 million uh, before this happens. But if you have where all your sales uh, personnel are doing different, uh, they sell differently in the house, um, at that point, it becomes chaos because you can't train anybody, you can't teach anybody, you can barely have a sales meeting because everybody's doing something different. And what are you going to train them at that point? You know, hey, we're going to talk about the clothes. Well, everybody does a different clothes. So what are you going to train them on? So that is the biggest issue I find is that uh, they give the sales team autonomy to do whatever they want. And that's the biggest mistake in, in most uh, sales organizations. Yeah, yeah. And it, it sounds like, I mean, you can you can muscle your way through that until it gets to a point to where it's not scalable. It's certainly not efficient. And so it makes sense that having and taking the time to actually put those processes in place uh, can then afford you the ability to really scale and grow. Uh, you know, it's funny here at Leap, we have a software obviously that, you know, home improvement contractors use and helps them save time and money and improve their consumers buying experience. But, you know, we take a lot of calls from prospective customers wanting to learn more about Leap and they have no sales process in place at all. I mean, they're essentially flying by the seat of their pants. And so it's just amazing that there is so much of that in place today, uh, you know, where people don't have a sales system or process. Uh, you guys have adopted Leap and, and seen success. How do you ensure that when you do adopt technology like Leap, that you're able to scale the good parts of your business and weed out those bad habits? Uh, with Leap, it's so, it, it's like a lot of your uh, high-end uh, CRMs, it's so powerful that it takes you almost a lifetime to figure out just how powerful it is. 
you know, and so every day we find something new that we can do with LEAP. Um, but when we are with our sales reps, and this is why we love LEAP um, and software such as LEAP, is the fact that it keeps everybody on that same page. You know, we don't have to worry about the, the sales reps out quoting uh, jobs and coming back in underneath where we should be. You know, they go in and they literally just, you know, as the customer says what they want, they just hit the, it's as easy as hitting the picture. You know, you know, this is the system I want. They want to add a ridge vent. They want they also have a, uh, uh, a satellite dish that we're going to have to take off and put back on, whatever the case may be. They just click on everything and it does everything for them. You know, it houses all of our men and maxes or any of our resources. Uh, so we don't have to have, you know, put all the stuff on their iPad and hope that, you know, they're going to um, change it out as we email it to them. We just put it into Leap and we do it ourselves so that when uh, when they want to uh, look up uh, Interbank's um, instructions, all they have to do is go into resources, into financing, and there's the instructions that our salespeople need to follow to get that financing. You know, so it's it's just all the way around. It's amazing. Yeah, awesome. I really appreciate that, uh, Chuck. When you're not working, what do you like to do? Uh, I'm always working, uh, but I love <laughs> to travel. You know, I I, uh, I travel so much during the year that, uh, like right now during the summer, I get a chance to take my family with me, and then uh, I also love to golf. I'm horrible at it, but I still love to golf. I don't think anybody likes to golf with me, uh, just because. Uh, <laughs> I'm at this point where I go out and I buy all the range balls and that's what I golf with because I lose so many, but I love to golf. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the closest I've come to golfing is, is driving ranges, you know, things like top golf and, and some of those, uh, some of those type of places. But yeah, I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I've gone and it's usually just to, uh, socialize or to have a drink or that kind of thing. Um, uh, but anyways, if our listeners want to learn more, I mean, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Easiest way to get in touch with me is uh, going to, uh, uh, you can go to LinkedIn and look look me up at uh, Chuck Toki, last name, it's spelled T-H-O-K-E-Y, or you can also find me on Facebook, and then, um, you know, you can email me at ctoki, C-T-H-O-K-E-Y, at gmail.com. Uh, they, uh, they can also go to the website of uh, mycoachchuck.com. Awesome. Yeah, you, you put out a ton of great content. So I, I certainly suggest and, and recommend that people uh, do go ahead and find you on social media. I think they'll be really impressed with with all the information that you put out there. I know I am. And uh, so I really appreciate you for that. Um, you know, as we wrap up, and I know you've already shared a ton of great advice for our listeners, but if you have any parting words for those uh, for those folks in sales, I mean, what what would that be? The biggest advice is learn how to not run out of technique, whether you're a sales manager or a sales rep or an owner that wants to invest in your people. Don't let, don't let your people run out of technique in the house. Make sure that they have the training that they need to be successful. Yeah, yeah, awesome. It, it's funny, it seems simple enough, but I know it's not. Uh, well, Chuck, this has been great. You know, really appreciate the time and uh, uh, for sharing this information with all of us. Thank you. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow us on our social channels. Until next time, see ya.